Awesome. Hey, uh, it is truly my privilege to be here with you guys. I am, uh, I'm kind of a stalker, you know what I'm saying? Like a fan from a distance. That's not funny to you guys. It was funny to me. <laughs> it's true, though, because I've been, I've been looking at you guys through social media. I, I, I'm friends with them, obviously, on Facebook and stuff. But, but I've, been, I've been watching the video of, of you guys recently and the move into this high school. And just, man, like, God is here. God's doing some great things in people's lives. Pastor West is introducing me to people. Hey, their marriage wasn't doing well, but now look, look, look. They're, they're together. They're, they're, they're growing. They've rededicated their life to Christ. This person over here gave their life to Christ, and now they're serving in this area. Man, I'm like, dude, these are amazing stories. God has done amazing things. And, and before I get into the message, I got to tell you that, like, he, he said that I helped him so much. But they've been an incredible help to us. And probably everything I told him was absolutely wrong. And he probably did the opposite. And now here we are, right? Like, so he, he's an amazing guy. I'm so proud of your pastors to, to have a dream, to stick to the dream, and to follow that. And I think it should be encouraging to you, too. Because God's put a dream in your heart. I know it has. Yeah, absolutely. Great people. Amazing people. And God's put a dream in your heart, too. Pursue it in the way they've pursued it. Go for it. Run after it, you know, because God's got something great for you. He's got a destiny for you. And I believe that Bay Chapel will be better when you live the dream God has placed in your heart. I believe that. And I know these pastors do, too. Follow their example. Now, this series um, is asking for a friend. And, uh, and so today we're going to ask for a friend what, it, what it's like to, to deal with stress and to deal with worry and to deal with anxiety. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, but anybody here ever dealt with stress and anxiety before? If you didn't raise your hand, you're too stressed to raise your hand, right? I have too much anxiety. I can't let people know about my anxiety. I mean, you're probably sitting by yourself, like, away from everybody because you're like, people make me nervous, right? So, like, I get it. I get it. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how Jesus asked us to deal with worry. Uh, so we're going to go to the Bible today. If you have Bible, you're taking notes, you can pull those out now. Uh, and we're, we're going to jump right into the, the passage of Scripture we're going to go to. Is that cool with you guys? Do you guys come to learn from God's word today? Good, okay, good, good. All right, so we're gonna start with Matthew chapter six, verse number 25, and it says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. This is Jesus talking, and Jesus says, do not worry about your life. Are you done worrying now? He said not to, so you just turn it off, right? Is it that easy? But he said do it, so how do we do it, right? He says, don't worry about your life, and then he, and then he goes on, uh, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. He, he's asking us not to worry about the provision, about the clothes, about the food, about the things and the stuff. And what he's, what, I think what he's really alluding to here is we worry about things that can't actually fully and finally satisfy us. If you eat, what's going to happen? You're going to get hungry again, right? If, if, you, if you worry about your clothes, are those clothes going to last forever? No, the answer is no, it's not. You can talk back to me. Okay? <laughs> Are those clothes going to last forever? No, they're not. They're, just, they're not. So Jesus is saying, you, you're trying to find life in things that can't bring you life. So don't, don't worry about the things that can't bring you life. Come to me. I'll give you real life. I'll, I'll give you life that satisfies. And so each one of us have a choice. We stand kind of at a crossroad. Do I find life in Jesus or do I find life in the things and the stuff? Do you see what he's saying there? Because there's some things that can never fully bring you life. And you're going to worry about them, but don't worry about it. Because they don't actually work. They don't bring you life. 
So don't worry. And, and at the beginning of this passage, it says, therefore. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Now, the, the word therefore means that this thought is connected to the previous verse. So in verse 25, we read, therefore, don't worry. Now, what was so important in the verse before this that Jesus has to, to introduce us to the concept of worry? So he introduces a topic, and then he says, oh, by the way, this topic is going to be worrisome for you. Don't worry about it, though. What could be so important? Well, verse number 24 says this. No one can serve two masters. You've got stuff and you got Jesus, right? You got something to worry about, things that promise life but they can't actually bring life, and you got following God, right? So no one can serve the two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then look at this. You cannot serve both God and, what's that word? Money. Now this is totally irrelevant to your life, I know. Because not for a day have you ever worried about money, right? Like this, this was written 2,000 years ago and is totally irrelevant to your life today, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Like, like Christianity is archaic. It's an old set of rules. It has no application in today's world. Do, do you guys see that there? Or, or how about you worried about money this morning on the way to church? Or, or you worry about money that in the past, you worry about your retirement, you worry about your kids' college fund. You, wor- you worry about this stuff, don't you? And it's almost like Jesus knew what he was talking about 2,000 years ago, that they would be dealing with money then, and we too, even now, will be dealing with money issues. He knew. And so he says, you're going to be tempted to worry about the stuff and the things and the possessions, the anxiety and the stress is gonna come into your life, but I'm telling you, do not worry about those things because they promise life, but they can't actually give you life. Now, is he telling you don't have money? No. Is he telling you don't wear clothes? No. Is he, t- <laughs> is he telling you don't eat? No. He's saying you should have money. You sh- definitely should have clothes, right? You sh- definitely should eat, but don't worry about those things. Does, do you see the difference there? Don't worry, don't, don't, because they're gonna promise life but they can't actually bring life. Follow me and I'll give you life. Follow what I've called you to, I'll give you life. So we, we all have this crossroads in front of us. So if we're dealing with stress, we're dealing with anxiety and we're dealing with worry, usually there's something in the way between us and God. There's two choices before us and we're choosing to worry over something we can't control instead of finding our rest and our peace in Jesus himself. And so Jesus introduces us to this. Now, that's verse number 24. We already read 25. Now we're gonna go to verse number 26, okay? We're just gonna walk our way through this verse. All right, so Jesus tells them, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So, so, so Jesus says to them, see, see the birds of the air? They don't sow or reap but they also have everything they need. So is Jesus telling you, don't sow or reap? Don't, don't write a budget this month? Just blindly spend on faith? He's not saying that. He's saying don't worry about it. Write your budget, sow, reap, work, get all that done, don't worry about it. But in, in, as we are doing that, don't let worry capture your heart. And then he sums it up with this one question, and, and it's powerful. He says, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Here's what he's basically saying. Did it work? When you worried, did it work? Did did it help you? 
Did, did you add an hour to your life? Did your budget get better because you got worried? Did you, did you eat better? Did you dress better? Like what did, did worry work? And the answer is no, worry doesn't work. So don't worry. Now, here's, let me rephrase Jesus' question. He goes, who of you worried has added, lost an hour or added an hour to your life? Who of you by worrying has actually lost an hour from your life? I've been there. You couldn't sleep, so what'd you do? You lost that hour of sleep. You, you, you worried, and you, you worried so much you made yourself sick, right? You took an hour off your life. You lost an hour of your life worrying. See, worry doesn't work. In fact, it's, it's so negative that, that researchers have found that if you can go through life without worrying, without stress, you'll actually live longer and, and, and have a happier existence. That the number one cause of, of some heart issues is just stress and worry. And here's Jesus 2,000 years ago going, it's not working. It doesn't work. Don't do it. The, the birds of the air don't worry, and, and you're more valuable than they are. I care for you that much more. All right, so, and, and, and so it continues into verse number 28. And don't worry about clothes. Now this is, this is yeah, I'm, go, I'm gonna go into this clothes thing, so I'm sorry if you're like, like super fashion oriented. I, I, I think you're, you're great. I think you're wonderful, but Jesus says don't worry about clothes. Like as in don't worry about what kind of clothes. Worry that you're wearing clothes, I think that's important. <laughs> but, but isn't fashion like so subjective like, like if, I, if I drape the right kind of material across my body in the right way, people will like me. And if, and if I drape the material in the wrong way, and I button or zip or fasten it in the, the wrong position, people don't like me anymore. And I can, I can get caught up in this, can't I? That, that if I have the right patterns or the right laces or the right somethings, right? Like something, I, I get to be accepted by other people. Is that what we're living for? To be accepted by other people? Now, should you look good? Look your best. I don't, do your best. Man, if, if, you, if you need to dress up for something, dress up for something. If, if you need to look good, look good, look good, but don't worry. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't, don't let this fashion direct you. And, and, and he says this. He continues. Uh, See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon. Solomon, King Solomon, the richest king, the wisest king of all of Israel. Even Solomon, in his splendor, was dre- wasn't even dressed as nicely as one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, and thrown into the fire, will we not clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. Now, in my family, I have four kids. I have three girls, and the youngest is a boy. And so my wife and I um, decided that we were going to have two. Uh, then we started our church, which is really like our third kid. And so there's a five-year gap between kid number two and kid number three. And so we thought if we have that third girl, she's a girl, we thought, man, if she's five years younger than the other two, she's going to be the most spoiled little brat on the planet, you know, because she's little and she gets her way. And so we had another kid to kind of do sets of two and two. I don't, I don't know if this is like really deep and spiritual for you, but that's what we decided to do. And, and it just so happens that that fourth one's a boy. And let me tell you, boys are different. So different. He leads headfirst into everything. He's always got bruises across his giant blonde head. You know, he's just like me. Big head, moves fast, bruises all down his shins. And let me tell you, a boy's definition of fashion is much different than a girl's. The other day, my wife showed up at church with the kids, and and she's like, Babe, I don't know what happened. I put him in the car clean, and the 10 minutes it took us to get to the church, he got dirty. 
He's buckled. He can't move. I don't know how he did it. It's a miracle. He did it. And one day we were in the car. There's the six of us are, are driving around. And he's, his, his sister, Addison, is sitting next to him. She's nine at the time. And she is a girly girl. She loves things that glitter and sparkle and shine. So she's got her hair all brushed out straight. And she's got these, like, bedazzled-looking things that, like, glue into your hair, like stick into your hair, like, like a bedazzled jeans, you know what I'm talking about? But it's for like her head, right? So I'm like, I don't get it. It's great for a nine-year-old girl. She thinks it's wonderful. And her little brother's sitting next to her and, and he goes, Addie, Addie, Addie. And she's not paying attention. I'm like, babe, just say hi to your brother, right? And he's like, one of those parenting things. I was like, Addie. She's like, what? He goes, you got garbage in your hair. What's fashionable to a nine-year-old girl is not fashionable to a two-year-old boy, right? But she kind of has it coming because she can throw some of that shade just like he can. We were on a road trip. We like to do these epic family road trips, and I'll talk more about that a little later. But we were in Laramie, Wyoming in our car, and I, was, I stopped to get some gas, and this guy comes up, and he, um, he, he needed gas to get to another city. And so he's bumming gas off people at the gas station. You ever meet people that do that? Okay. Um, and so he's, he's dressed like a person that would bum gas off of you in a gas station. And, and piercings, I have nothing. I, I personally don't have any preference on piercings, whatever. He had a lot of them, okay, just like all over. Um, tattoos don't bother me at all, but he had a lot of them all over. Uh, camo pants and a vest and cut off sleeves. And it's just like, just very much a 20-something that bums gas off people in a parking lot. Does that make sense? Like, you get the mental picture, right? Well, while I'm talking to this guy, I give him a couple gallons, and, and I try to be the love of Jesus even when I'm on vacation, right, because pastors have to go on vacation. And, and, and inside the car, my daughter, nine-year-old daughter, is talking to my wife, and she's got a million questions. Who's that guy? I don't know, babe. What, why does he need gas? He's probably going somewhere. He needs gas for his car. Why did that? La, 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 la. And, and, and eventually the conversation goes down to my wife's just going, he needs gas to get where he's going because he doesn't have any money. And she goes, oh, okay. It looks like he spent all of his money on weird clothes and tattoos. <laughs> just straight, just not even a hesitation or delay. So what's fashionable to a 20-something-year-old guy is not fashionable to a nine-year-old girl. And what's fashionable to a nine-year-old girl is not fashionable to a two-year-old boy. You see, it's also very subjective. Yet here we are, we stress and we look and we run after things that promise us life. If you wear this, if you look this way, you'll be accepted, you'll be happy, you'll be loved. But does it work? right? Does it work? And the answer every time is no. Eventually it wears off, right? Eventually it looks like it doesn't go anywhere. And so Jesus is saying there's a choice. Are you going to follow me and find your rest in me? Or are you going to try and find life in these other things? Now, should you look your best? I think you should. I think you should always try to look your best. I think you should always represent your life and the gospel well. You want to have those doors open to you, but you don't worry about it. Amen? Amen. Okay, so, so the, the passage continues in verse number 31. So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? And then he drops the bomb on these people in verse number 32. It says, for pagans run after these things. Now, what's a pagan? A pagan is someone who does not believe in God. So he's saying, if you are worrying about what you'll wear, what you'll eat, what you drink, the, the bigger the house, the faster the car, the, the, the prettier the spouse, or whatever, if that is all you're living for, you're practically living like someone who doesn't believe in God. And that's a hard hit, isn't it? 
Jesus never minces words, does he? He kind of just goes in for the kill every time. But here he is, he's going, it's not working, so stop doing it. Because if you live that way, you're living like someone who doesn't even believe in me. Who didn't even, he doesn't even exist like I, like, like I don't exist. They live their life. They say one thing with their mouth, but they live totally different with their actions. Isn't that called a hypocrite? And Jesus says, we'll live like that sometimes. And that's so convicting to me. I don't know about you. It convicts me to my core because I don't want to be that way. I want to I live the life that God has called me to live. So he says, the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly father already knows that you need them. So, so why would you make those things the priority of your life when God already knows that you need them? Make him the priority and he can meet those needs along the way, right? P- put God first and all these other things will be added to you. So, so don't worry saying all these things. And then in verse number 33, he sums it all up, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. He's saying if you chase after earthly things, you make them the priority of your life, that all your worry and all your stress and all your anxiety is wrapped up in these things, you may get those things, but you will miss out on the best that God has for you. But if you chase after the best that God has for you, you're gonna get all those other things too. Talk about best of both worlds. Seek God's kingdom first, and he takes care of everything else. Seek him first in the way you live. Don't stress and worry over the things of the world because he's got those things taken care of. And and I love this. I love this next sentence. Uh, It says this in verse number 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Now, I like this from a very personal level, from a very kind of immature Christian level, okay? It's like, awesome, hakuna matata. Right? No worries, lazy river of life, floating down the beach, whatever it is, like you're just kind of chilling. But then Jesus ruins the vibe, and he says this next thing. He says, for each day has enough trouble of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow, because you can't even handle today's problems. (laughs) You're not making me feel good, Jesus. Like, what do you mean don't worry about tomorrow? I can't even make it through today? Yeah, but, but honestly, can we? Without him? He says, don't worry about that. John 16, he gives us a little bit more help in this. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. Now, that's not reassuring either, is it? But how many, when you became a Christian, your life got perfect immediately? Your troubles went away. No more stress, no more anxiety. The bills were all paid. And you never fought with your kids or your spouse. Like, like work was a, a, a breeze. Like you just, boom, it all happened. Me neither, right? See, the promise isn't that you won't have any trouble. Jesus actually promises that you will, in fact, have trouble. You will have trouble, but he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. In this world, in this earthly time, and while you walk and journey out on this planet, you will, in fact, have trouble. But it's okay, because this world, I've already overcome it. I've already overcome. When I died on the cross and I'm, I rose from the dead, I put death in its place, and I took hell in the grave, and I pushed it to the side and said, there is new life for you. He's already overcome this world. That's good news, isn't it? And when there's days where like, God, I can't worry about tomorrow. I got too many problems for today. He goes, take heart. I've already overcome the world. 
Don't, don't, don't let your eyes sink down to the level of just stuff and things. Do you need stuff and things? Yeah, you do, but they're not your everything. Lift your eyes up to him. Lift your eyes up to what he has for you. He's already overcome this world. Amen? Amen. All right. So, so what I want to do now is I want to I I talk about the opposite of stress and worry, and I want to talk about rest. And I'm not necessarily talking about like a physical, like I took a good nap rest, which I love a good nap kind of rest. You know, like this afternoon, guess what I'm doing? I am sleeping. That's what I'm doing, right? Like I love a good Sunday afternoon nap. It's awesome. But that's not what I want to talk about. I want to find rest for our souls. Because worry is anxiety in our soul. It's anxiety inside of us. And it has physical manifestations, like, like you, you got a tension headache or you can't sleep or whatever. But there's, there's really, it's something in our soul that's going on. And we have that anxiety. So something happened in our soul. Only God can really heal that, right? So we need to do, I got three things I want to talk about rest this morning that'll kind of wrap us up and take us where we need to go. Deal? Okay, all right. Uh, uh, the first thing is we need to run to him. If you want to find rest, you got to go to the one that can give rest. You, you got to run to him. If, if I want a dream, I got to give, go to the dream giver. If I want a gift, I got to go to the gift giver. If I want rest, I got to give, go to the one who can give rest. And he promises that to us. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. You know what weary and heavy burdens are? That's our baggage of life, man. We, we, we all walk around with a little bit of baggage, don't we? I don't have any baggage, TJ. I don't know what you're talking about. Fine, okay, this sermon's not for you then. I got baggage. I got issues. I got a past that I'm trying to get past. And so Jesus says, all of you who have this burden, this luggage that you've been carrying around, come to me. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle in heart and you will find rest for your souls. That yoke is what they would place upon an animal and they would pull a cart or they'd pull a wagon or they'd pull a plow and it was heavy. It was work. And he says, you've had a yoke upon you that is weighing you down and connecting you to a past that is apart from me and I wanna set you free from that. Take that yoke off of yourself or let me take that yoke off of you, and I'm gonna put a new one on you, a new one that's light, a new, new thing that's easy. It's still a burden, it's still a burden from God, but it's gonna be easy. It's gonna be a calling and a purpose and a passion and a dream, but we only get that when we run to him and not after everything else. All right, so the so first thing we need to do is we need to run to him. Um, so with that, I, I got an extra sentence on this point. So it's kind of like four points and three points, but don't tell anybody I said that, okay? So here's, here's the sentence. Attention, not intention, will determine your destination. Attention, not intention, will determine your destination. So if we're running to him, we need to fo focus our attention on him. We can't intend to run after God while our attention is focused on all the things of the world. I've done that, have you? Why, God, I really wanna serve you and love you, and wow, look at that shiny new thing over there. Right, you ever done that before? So when you're on the interstate, which I know you guys never drive on busy roads around here, right? And, and there's a traffic jam. Have you ever noticed how if there's like a car accident, there's a bunch of little car accidents all around it? B because as people are driving down the road, they see the accident, and what do they do? And then their, their car starts to do one of these, right? And they, they start to swerve, and then they hit the car in front of them because their attention is directed at something that it shouldn't be directed on. And they don't intend to hit the car in front of them, but they do. Why? Because their attention and their intention were not lined up. Our attention must be focused on him. 
Because if we intend to have rest in him, we need to focus our attention on him, which means we don't just do Sundays with God, we do Mondays too, and every other day of the week. We get in God's word, we spend time in prayer, we lead our family in that way. Does that make sense to you guys? Intention is good. Attention is necessary as well. All right, second thing we need to do is we need to wait for him. Who's good at waiting? I'm the world's worst waiter. I can't, I, I'm terrible at it. God's, I need a spiritual gift of patience or something in my life. I've been praying for it, not working yet, okay? I'm terrible. How many of you, you'll like go to a store and you go to buy something but the checkout line's really long and you're like, I don't really need it that bad. I've done that. You, you're in drive through and it's just taking forever. Turn signal, I'll pop a curb, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. World's, this is, this, okay, this is shameful to admit, but have you ever pumped gas and it's just going slow and you're like, I, I only needed two gallons anyway. Hang it up, walk away. Right? I just, I'll get gas later. I, I can't, I can't do, I'm a terrible waiter. Anybody else like that? Yeah, okay. My people, my people. But there's one thing you've got to wait on and that's God himself. He might not take you where you want to go today, but he will eventually. And waiting is a part of the healing. Waiting is as important as the destination because it's in the time of waiting that you actually find rest. When you are forced to slow down. I told you guys that we do uh, road trips every year, right? Me and my family, we throw the four kids in. And I tell, people tell me all the time, oh my gosh, how could you possibly drive across the nation with four kids in your car? It doesn't make any sense. This is insane. But I talk to them about the alternative. Four kids on an airplane. <laughs> like, we have to drive here to the Tampa area to fly anywhere because Sarasota's airport is about the size of a postage stamp. And so we drive the hour. Now, I've got four kids, and we've got all of our baggage right, all of our luggage, it's, it takes probably, I don't know, a car small caravan of people to get us to the airport with all of us and our kids, and, 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 and uh, good luck finding that. Then have you ever gone through ticketing with little ones? Those little stretchy dividers are the best game in the entire world. Zing, 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 you're bumping into people. You get your luggage finally checked in, you're going through security with a two-year-old, right? Come on, that's the, it's, someone's getting arrested, patted down, something is happening. And then you get on an airplane and you think it's over. We are in the tin can in the sky. It's over. But that's when the kids really turn it on. Because now we're in an airplane. It's so exciting. I've never been in an airplane before. They're grabbing the seat in front of them, shaking it, hitting all the light buttons. Mom, I've got to go to the bathroom. Baby, we haven't even taken off yet. You can't go to the bathroom. We need to get 30,000 feet in the air. And then the two-year-old looks over at you and is like, I poo-pooed, right? Like just whole airplane, recycled air, boom, it's over. I would much rather drive. Thank you very much. You get the, you know what I'm saying? And here's, here's the main reason why. Because when I get on that interstate and I just hit cruise control, I can't get there any faster. And the only thing I can do is just start to let life go. Does that make sense? And if my kids need to go to the bathroom, pull that bad boy over, right? 
Can't pull that airplane over. Need a snack? Okay, grab a snack. Need to stop for the day, stop for food? We do whatever we want, whenever we want. Does that make sense? And I can't get to my destination any faster. I just have to wait. And sometimes as you wait on God, you feel the anxiety. God, would you make it faster, 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 faster? And he goes, you're not ready for the answer yet. (laughs) Slow down. Let me give you peace. And then we'll see the dream start to become a reality. Final thing, number three, remember all he's done for you. This, This is a short point but remember all he's done for you. Psalms 116, the psalmist writes this. He says, let my soul be at rest again, which means at one time his soul was at rest, but it's currently not restful. Maybe you walked in this morning and your soul is not at rest. You remember a time in your life where it was different where it's better, where you were at rest. You did have peace. Anxiety wasn't taking you over or stress wasn't, taking away your sleep. But in this moment, you might be going, man, I need that again, just like the psalmist wrote. Let my soul be at rest again. For the Lord has been good to me. He begins to remember. He has saved me from death. I remember that in the past. My eyes from tears. I remember what he did for me. My feet from stumbling. And so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. I walk in the Lord's presence. I don't walk after things. My bigger castle my faster chariot, right? Like, I'm not after those things, but I walk in whose presence? The Lord's presence. That's where rest comes from. Waiting on him, slowing down, running to him, and finding rest in him once again. He's done it before. Is he gonna do it again? Yes, yes, yes. And if he's never done it in your life, I'll tell you personal experience, He's done it in mine. He's done it in your pastors. And I promise the same God that has brought me peace and rest in my life at the hardest of times, he's he's gonna do the same thing to you guys. He can bring rest into your life. But it all starts with a relationship with him. We've gotta have that relationship. It starts right there. It's what the Bible would call salvation. I'm saved from a life apart from him and I enter into a relationship with him. And this morning, if you're feeling anxious and stressed, Give that away to him and accept the gift of a relationship, forgiveness from him, and start a new fresh with him. Here's what I'd like to do. If you don't mind, maybe I'd like to have a quiet moment where you reflect on everything we've talked about today. If it helps you to kind of focus, you can close your eyes, bow your heads, but no one moving around or talking, just kind of a, a quiet moment between you and God. There's a couple responses here this morning that you can take. Maybe you're, you're anxious and you need to wait. This is the time to pray, pray for that time of waiting. If if you've been doing it on your own strength and you need to run back to him, this is your time to pray that, to talk to God about that. But for some of us in the room, especially a room this large, there's someone here that said, you know what? You'd say, I've never actually trusted God with my entire life. But today's the day that you can do that. Today's the day that you can say, God, I'm gonna give you everything I am. God, I've been doing it on my own and it's not working. In this world, I do have trouble, but I need to know you, the one who has overcome this world. If you're here this morning and that's you, I want to pray with you. I wanna wanna lead you through a prayer that is so simple and it's not special because it's my words, 
It's special because it's your heart connecting with him. So if you don't mind right where you are, just praying with me. Father, this morning I receive your grace, your forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to die for me, to give me rest from my past, release from the baggage, and hope, Lord, for my future. And this morning, God, that the things that have held us back from you, the things that have distracted us from you, I pray, God, that you would pierce our heart and our soul on those things. May we continue to run after you. In your name we pray. Everybody says, amen. Come on, let's put your hands together for people pray that prayer.